again, and welcome to another episode of Human Rights Magazine. In this episode, Amelia Coleman explores how simple, more efficient cookstoves are having an impact in Rwanda on women's health, but also on women's rights and empowerment. Hello, my name is Amelia Coleman, and today we are going to be discussing the topic of unclean cooking, with a specific focus on Rwanda one country particularly impacted by the issue. For most of us in developed countries, the process of cooking ourselves dinner can bring about different emotions. Some people love cooking and they get excited about preparing their evening dinner and finding new ingredients. Whereas for other people, it's simply a relaxing hobby or a pastime. At worst, it's seen as a chore after a long day at work. However, for 2.75 billion people globally who still lack access to clean cooking solutions and cook over open fires, or use traditional polluting fuels and technologies such as wood, charcoal or kerosene, the simple and seemingly mundane act of cooking dinner actually poses serious health and environmental problems. Saraj Rai is the Rwanda Energy Sector Lead at the SMV Netherlands Development Organisation. This is an NGO which focuses on agriculture, energy, water, sanitation and hygiene, and it works in 24 countries globally. Saraj told me that it's important to be precise about what we mean when we talk about clean cooking, and that there also needs to be a distinction between simply improved cooking practices and actual clean cooking practices. Clean cooking has to be clean enough to have health benefits, because the biggest problem of dirty cooking or cooking in a, in a dirty kitchen or in a smoky kitchen is health problems. They are not other economic or social or environmental problems. So unless a, an improved cook stove or a, a fuel-efficient stove has certain thermal efficiency, which is, it, it should be more than 40%, it doesn't bring significant health benefit. So... Anything below 40% thermal efficient is not clean. It is improved, it is cleaner, but it's not clean enough. So now we know what exactly clean cooking means and that we should be striving towards finding cooking methods with more than 40% thermal efficiency for the 2.75 billion people that currently lack this basic fundamental human right. Anything below this standard results in severe consequences for the person cooking, the environment and the wider social development trajectory of a country, particularly in terms of gender. In low- and middle-income countries, household air pollution, or HAP, is responsible for almost 10% of the mortality, according to the WHO, which estimates that almost 4 million people per year die from illness attributable to household air pollution from inefficient cooking practices. HAP is also the leading environmental cause of death and disability, ahead of unsafe water and lack of sanitation. It causes more deaths than malaria, HIV and TB combined. Environmentally, cooking over open fires or inefficient cookstoves entails burning fuels that release climate warming emissions and stoves that rely on firewood, which accelerates deforestation. Moreover, the time-consuming nature of gathering firewood which can take up to six hours per day to gather sufficient quantities, prevents the primary cook in a family, which is more often than not a woman, engaging in other activities, such as going to school or investing time in local business. 
Beyond the health and environmental implications, there is also a strong economic cost. According to Rye, the annual health cost for dirty cooking is $1.3 trillion. The annual economic cost is $1.8 trillion. And the average environmental cost is $1.2 trillion. To find out more, I spoke with Marie-Christelle Ishimwe and Honorine Tumakunde. Rwandan Nationals, they are district managers for Delagua, an environmental service company. It was founded in the UK in 1985, but now operates out of its office in Kigali. It provides clean cooking solutions in the form of high-efficiency cookstoves to rural villages throughout the country and accompanies the deliveries with an educational service on the issue of clean cooking and its impact. Frankly speaking, I didn't understand what the logo was about. But during the first month of work, that's when I understood really what the logo is about. And it, it was really interesting because I got to see how it was directly impacting the community. When you go in in these households, you go in the rural areas, you see how like the walls have dark, you see how the, the children's eyes are red because of the smoke. When you go to a house around 11 a.m., you see the, the wife cooking, how she's struggling with uh, the smoke. It's really sad. It was really a problem. But mostly the house we visit now, they have cook stoves. You, you see the change. Immediately you see the change. You see how people were happy when they, they came to collect the, 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 the technologies. It was a very satisfying experience. It's so nice to see firsthand that you are impacting the community. You said that before you started working for Del Agua, you didn't really understand the issue of clean cooking. Do you think that's one of the problems that... In Rwanda, there's just not enough education about clean cooking facilities and the harmful effects of smoke. I think it's kind of selfish, a problem that you don't have, an issue that doesn't affect you. You don't really feel it. But when you see people that it, it affects, you see that someone, like these people don't even know that they can drink clean water, they, they can cook clean. They don't know. They are used to a very hard life. So then they don't even realize that that is a right that they they own. They were born that way. That's how their ancestors were were doing it. They don't realize how it affects their lives. Because when we are doing education and we tell them that we have 5,000 deaths each year in Rwanda caused by unclean cooking, caused by smoke, like children that die every year, 5,000 deaths. I didn't even know that number before I started the household education. Like they, they are shocked. They have all these kind of problems. They have their children with asthma, with these respiratory diseases. They don't know why, but it's because of the smoke. I was especially curious to know more about the gender dimension of the issue, because I predicted that females would have to endure the problems related to unclean cooking more than men. After conducting my interviews, my initial thoughts were confirmed. Unsurprisingly, women and girls are disproportionately impacted by unclean cooking because entrenched gender norms mean that females tend to carry the burden of household affairs. 100% it's a responsibility for women. So, of course, they are the ones affected by the smoke. The man goes to the bar, he goes drinking or he goes uh, to see uh, his friends. So he doesn't even see, 
like I said, when it's not an issue <laughs> for you, it's fine. So the woman is the one staying there, cooks like two times a day, exposed to the smoke. The man comes at home at night. It's over. So it doesn't really affect the, the man of the household. Mm. So for women, it's really critical. For women and kids. Do you think that reducing the inequality in this area would help reduce inequality in other areas as well, such as work and education? Yeah, very much. Because like cooking beans with our, our like old method, it takes between three to four hours. But with the lagua stoves, it takes one hour and 20 minutes. So you see, that's an additional one hour in the house, even more that the woman gets to do, like to even relax a little bit yeah. or think about other activities or other projects. So yeah, yeah I've seen it affecting uh, women's lives. Uh, it's it's even a part of what I wrote when I I, I was giving out my testimonial for the Lagua, because uh, that's the the first thing that touched me how it's really tiring to be a woman in rural areas. But they don't realize it, but when you compare it with uh, our urban lifestyle, it's uh, these women, they are so strong. Like, they go through a lot. The, there is cooking that takes a lot of time, exposed to smoke. They are coughing. You see that them sneezing when cooking. But with clean cooking, it's really helping. Essentially, the basic human right of being able to look after yourself and not just other people is kept out of reach of women and girls if they are unable to access clean cooking facilities. Women make breakfast, they then spend the morning preparing lunch before cooking it, and in the evenings have to cook dinner. All the while, their brothers are at school or their husbands are out at work. If like, I'm a girl at home, I don't go to school because I have to cook for the family. I have to cook for my my brothers. Instead, they are the one to go to school. That that's something that is violating my rights. Because I'm not supposed to do that. We can share that work and they can perform their work and Mitra can do that. So I find it as a human right. If I I take care of something else, other people, I'm just violating my right. To, to be free, to go to, to study, to go to look after my dreams, to go to, to do sport, to do things that can distract my mind. If you empower a, a woman, just strengthen a woman, you are able to strengthen the whole family. Um, so it's very, it's very, it's very important to just help those women and girls to do not uh, spend their more time for looking for how to feed the family. I was also curious to know about the distinction between the rural and urban experiences with regards to cooking and household activity. Typically, rural areas suffer more with unclean cooking due to less access to electricity and more modern methods. This also intersects with the gender dimension because it's much easier for the men to cook in cities because there is no need to look for fuel and the cooking is done inside, safely and covered. However, in rural areas where the kitchen is sometimes outside the house, cooking a meal becomes a much more grueling task, particularly in the rainy season. And you see some 
Like in some household, it's still few, but in some household, the men have started helping out because the stoves now, the, they are portable, they cook uh, fast. So some men are even interested to participate in the kitchen, which was not the case before because it was really tiring and really dirty. They didn't want to touch the kitchen. But now you can see in rural areas, I've seen some household, I go there, I just find the man. It's even the man who answers the question because he's been cooking. He tells me, no, 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 at, at noon, the woman doesn't need to come out here. He Maybe he's gone, she's gone to the market. I can come and heat some food for the children. Oh, it's, it's really nice. In urban areas, you can see progress, really big progress. Like when you compare the, the, the Kigali we have now, uh, the understanding of man about uh, equality and what we had five, uh, five years ago, it's really different. You can see men doing all those activities, but uh, it's still the responsibility of a woman, but men feel like they can participate. But in rural areas, uh, there is still work to be done. The men haven't understood it yet. There's still education to be done. And uh, I think in urban areas, what influences it is because women are not housewives. They go to work. So yeah. if you go to work and the man goes to work, it, it, somehow, somewhere, you got to find a balance in the households. But in, the, in rural areas, women, they are not employed. So automatically, they become housewives. The rate of progress in these urban areas, then, is encouraging. And men are becoming more educated. But in rural areas, it's clear that there is still a lot of work to be done in terms of gender equality and access to clean cooking facilities. Before closing my conversations, I asked Mary Christelle and Saraj what they hoped for the future of clean cooking and what they think are the challenges that lie ahead. I would like this to, uh, to get to more people because uh, we haven't reached the whole country and uh, it's really hard when you have only one cook stove because we only give one cook stove and people really, like, as a woman, if you want it to be fast or you have, yeah, like you want it to have your vegetables cooking and your carbs cooking, it's better when you have two. So most of them are obliged to, to stay with the old stove so that when they, are, they don't have enough time, they use both, which is still a problem. Yeah, we teach them, we tell them they should use one, but still, <laughs> you can't force someone to, to, to do something that is not easy for her. She's used to using two cook stoves. If they have two cook stoves, they wouldn't need old method to cook. I'm excited to work for Rwanda in the clean cooking sector because a lot of things are happening. The fact that clean cooking has been underestimated by many donors or the governments and others, World Bank has been pushing it hard in recent years. And then a few years back, they initiated what they call Clean Cooking Fund. So they have a plan of securing $500 million, but then uh, to start with, they just secured some $20 million. And then they are starting this clean cooking fund project from Rwanda. They started about a year ago. So there is a $20 million project funded by World Bank. So this makes Rwanda clean cooking or improved cooking sector very different compared to other countries in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. 
and then of course Rwanda is always um, leading in many of these kind of initiatives, policies, and all that. Not always uh, matching with the resource, but at least they are good in terms of government ownership, leadership, policies, institutions, strategies, and all that. I wonder why this 20 million fund was allocated to Rwanda specifically. Do you think it's because the situation on the ground was just worse than that of other countries? Or do you think it was because maybe their governmental institutions more developed so people were more interested in investing? It's, it's, it's the latter. It's okay. not the not the former case because there are many other countries in sub-Saharan Africa which are worse off. But then, you know, sometimes you have this dilemma of whether you should help the poorest one or whether you should help not so poor one who can be helped and then can be sustained. So I think the World Bank is taking the more sustainable route approach. And then we SNB, of course, like to do that because otherwise you will be more of a charity rather than a sustainable development worker. And then your development work may not be that smart. Unless there is a private sector that is coming up or that can be developed in a, in a short period of time with minimum resource, you can't really develop a market because you can't just develop market only with the public actors. So private sector development becomes a must to develop a sustainable energy, sustainable energy markets. Of course, I want Rwanda government to be more active, proactive, bringing in more resource. But then uh, that will probably be my wish list because cooking is only one development agenda out of many, many. And then Rwanda government the ministry that is, let's say, responsible for clean cooking, they have different other pressing issues as well. You have health problems or health centers not functioning well, education centers not running in a, in a modern way using computers and all that. So electricity is also very, very important. So imagine there is a, a ministry of infrastructure in Rwanda. They have all these different, you know, what should I say, competing priorities and they only have limited resource and expertise and capacity. So I can wish that they do more. They bring in more resource at all levels, not just at the national level, but at the sub-national, the district or provincial or other local government level. But I should say, as I said before, the first thing is the policies, the strategies, the commitment, the leadership and all that. So... When, it, when I look at those things, as I said before, I'm happy. So there is definitely more that they have to do to achieve the goals that they have set for themselves. Encouragingly, although this issue has traditionally been overlooked, it's certainly gaining more traction on the global agenda. This is particularly in light of the UN General Assembly hosting a high-level meeting on energy with a focus on household energy and cooking energy in September 2021. World leaders came together and discussed concrete ways to contribute to meeting the UN Sustainable Development Goal number 7 of affordable and clean energy. The positive development trajectory shouldn't be taken for granted, but it is a cause for hope. What does seem overwhelmingly clear in any case is that a small $20 cook stove really does have the power to transform not only the dinner table, but the social and development landscape of a country too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Human Rights Magazine. The podcast is brought to you by the Upstream Journal. I invite you to consider supporting the program and the magazine with a contribution through PayPal as you explore other episodes.